What a superbly featured room and what excellent boiled potatoes. Many years since I've had such an exemplary vegetable. To which of my fair cousins should I compliment the excellence of the cooking? Welcome to Mrs. Bennett's Dating Service, where a young lady who needs money can be persuaded upon young men that have it. Well, sounds like I'm out of this game already. I'm sorry. 5000 a year, get the fuck out. 5000 a year? I don't got that kind of, kind of dingoes. <laughs> I don't got that kind of moolah. What are you expecting out of me? Anyways, welcome, welcome back, everyone. We're, uh, we're, welcome back. As as always, it is your it is your hosts. Uh, w with me is is Miss Popa. Oh wow. And and I am Mr. Walker, here to indulge all everyone in a little bit of romance today. And we're going to be talking about. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, which is the first time I've actually gone through the book, which was nice, because the only thing I, I've really known about Pride and Prejudice was, uh, was a play that I went to go see back in college, so that was, and I completely forgot about it until I started reading the book, and I was like, this sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> was it a good play? Yeah, it was, I really liked the play, if I remember correctly. Like, they did a good job. Um, and, like, the way they did the sets and interchanging everything was really cool. And uh, it was a, a girl played Mr. Collins, which was fantastic. I love so, that. Um, so to all aspiring you know, actors out there, it's not about the plot. It's about how you make them feel. So Michael mm -hmm. did not remember the story of it. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine and you know yeah which uh honestly was kind of like nice and refreshing i was like i, I kind of, i was like i kind of remember sort of i don't know i remember like what was it at the very beginning we, you, you called me one day and i was like i feel very sympathetic towards mr darcy and i don't know what that says about me <laughs> i guess it makes me a very disagreeable him. man <laughs> so i was saying like very early on when everyone's like talking shit about him and i was like the fuck <laughs> like like poor guy i i can connect with uh you know not enjoying balls and dances and whatnot even though actually i i do enjoy dances what am i talking about but uh i i don't I, what is it where he's talking about where i think he's it was either him or was it mary that says uh balls are a terrible place to meet people and that conversation's better actually i think it was mary that said that so yeah well in the book that's a conversation between elizabeth and caroline bingley which is fine i mean i think the mm -hmm. there are some changes we can discuss which i think are perfectly reasonable changes this is a long novel of primarily conversations and they're yes. fun conversations there's a lot of room for satire in them but you needed to whittle some of it down. And I think they did it yeah. in a good way. I'll agree. I do I did like the conciseness of it, but it definitely so first first opinion is that is it does it it does lose its humor. 
when you when you dwindle it down. There's less yeah. of the humor and more of the the straight romance. So, but that's just why someone's got to make a just get a, a, a Pride and Prejudice without the romance only comedy. So then we get we get we can we can watch both at the same time, and then you then you get both, then you get like the perfect blend. Well, that's an idea. Let's talk about some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Michael and I both. Well, I did a weird combination of reading and listening to it, but I have read this book before. It was nice to revisit it after a few years of not looking at it. And Audible has. We're not ragging on Audible this week. I've determined it. Audible has a nice reading. No, we're of praising them this week. Exactly. The great people of Audible decided to have Rosamund Pike read the length of this novel, who, if you don't know, is the actress that plays Jane. She does a fantastic job. She does really good voices for the characters, and the one for Mr. Collins is especially yes. wonderful. He's killing yes. it. You should listen to it. If you don't want to pick up a book, every time you wash your dishes, just listen to this book. You'll fucking enjoy it. You know. It goes on for 12 hours, so that's a lot of dishes you need to get done, but, you know, it's definitely worth it. Let all of your dishes pile up in a corner of your room and watch them all at once listening to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like the audio. It was, she, she, she did a great job, and actually now I want to listen to the to the other versions of uh, her her other readings of Jane Austen. Also fucking killed it in the movie. She's oh my great. god. So the casting for this movie is so perfect to me. And I mm-hmm. have to clear up. I wrongly misled some people. This is not Kira Knightley's first movie. It is one of her first and she was only 20. And for a 20 yeah. year old actress is phenomenal in it. She's which is also choice. I guess which is also I guess she's actually younger than the actual character right? Which is rare. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, she mentions that she's 3 and 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, is that really how people used to say their age? Yes. It's fucking weird. I don't (laughs) like it. You want people to focus on the decade you're on rather than the specific year, you know? So (laughs) maybe that's why. Well, let's talk about Jane Austen for a bit. Because she's a fantastic human and deserves all the credit. Basically, Jane Austen's family wasn't very rich, but they were fine. You know, they were doing okay. She grew up studying her siblings, because, you know, men got taught more than young women, so she would use her siblings' study books, and she started writing stories to entertain her family. And her dad was fine with it. I'm sure no one expected she'd try to make a living out of it, because that's a big no-no. But if you ever see the movie Becoming Jane, it gets some things kind of right, but also I think it takes a lot of liberties with the romantic interest, who is a real person that she met, and they had a sort of flirtation, but all we really know is what she wrote in letters to friends, and it's not quite as flushed out as the movie shows. But we do know she kind of gave up after that, and didn't entertain any more suitors. But that's fine, because she decided to become a bad bitch and write. And what's really interesting is, so British women didn't have 
legal power to sign contracts, and you needed to have a male relative represent a woman who's trying to. So Jane Austen, like a lot of women at the time, would write anonymously. Yeah, wasn't it her her first book was completely anonymous, and then the next one they they said it was like from the author of Sense and Sensibility. Well, it wrote, they wrote that it was written by a lady. It literally just says by a lady. Oh, wow. Um, which probably didn't help her, sadly. But her novels then became translated to French. She didn't know it at the time. And so they continued to gain popularity that way. And then um, the Prince Regent loved her novels and kept a set at all of his houses. Because, you know, rich people have multiple. Um, mm-hmm. So even during her lifetime, she gained popularity, which is fantastic. She actually died because of Hodgkin's lymphoma. And Fuck that. I know. And yeah, died at the early age of 41, which is quite sad. What is really fun is I had read that her early writing... Oh dear. Let me find it. So I didn't memorize this because it's a lot of words to memorize. I'm sorry. You got this. I believe in you. I can't find it now. <laughs> okay, there we go. They were described as stories full of anar- anarchic fantasies of female power, license, illicit behavior, and general high spirits. And that's according to Janet Todd, which is a fantastic way to describe anyone's writing. Um, because it was considered somewhat scandalous at the time to write books that parodied so much of how society was expected to behave. So it was dumb. All the great artists in general kind of go against society, so. Exactly, society sucks. Mm-hmm. Don't don't tell us how to be. Let us be how we want to be. And so we have the movie from 2005, which started off this long-standing work partnership between Kara Knightley, Joe Wright, who was the director, and Dario Marinelli, who composed the beautiful music. They have continued to do period pieces together, which has kind of become a niche for Karen Knightley, but she does it really well, so I'm not mad at it. Hey, I mean, she also uh, she also joined with uh, Mr. Collins again in, in the sequels of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, try- I was trying to figure out where I've seen him before, and I was like, oh, that's where you're at. And what a great comedic actor he is, too. Oh, he killed Mr. Collins. And uh, good old Carrie Mulligan, which most of her, her dialogue was just giggling. Yeah, so a lot of these actresses, they really started off here because Carrie Mulligan obviously went on to have an amazing career. You have Kalula Riley, who plays Mary. And, okay, let's talk about Mary. This poor, displaced gothic child, born way too early. <laughs> I love her. I mean, she's sitting there. The only one in dark clothes while her sisters are all giggles and ribbons. And in the novel, there's a bit more characterization from her. There's this really... Okay, so you, you know there's the scene in the movie where she's playing the piano forte and her dad's just like, Mary, Mary, let the other girls have a turn because people are laughing at her. And it's not exactly accurate. I mean, in the novel, it's described that because she was the least attractive sister, she worked hardest at her skills and actually played the piano better than any of them and endeavored to be quite talented. Um, but, and this is true, because she's not very charismatic, people were a lot more engaged when Elizabeth was playing, 
than when Mary did because she was kind of a bit too uptight. But, you know, Mary's trying. She's trying really hard. And I love her. Yeah, she she she's great. She's a great character. I did, so this is because watching the film, when, when we watch the films, I look at things very, the cin- cinematography, which the cinematography is brilliant in this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really nice symmetry in shots. Uh, a lot of, like, you'll, you'll see it where, especially where there's the, if, if I, I'm trying to remember when, when uh, Elizabeth goes to visit her sister because she's sick, when they're in the when they're in the room, they whenever they cut to Kiera Knightley or Elizabeth, like she's just framed really nicely in the in the center, the couch, mm-hmm. and um, and there's a bunch of other shots with this sort of uh, symmetry, but uh, there was one thing that threw me off. And like it actually confused me because I had just finished the book, and uh, so it's when Mr. Collins comes and and basically he's trying to get Elizabeth to marry him. The camera does, and then basically she says no, blah blah blah, and then everyone's laughing at him, which is really fucked up. Like they they weren't laughing like that in the book, were they? If I remember, like like it was just sort of like it was. The way it's portrayed in the movie is really kind of fucked up with the family just sort of listening and then he's all, he's basically like humiliated by the family for being turned down. I feel well, like Yeah, they don't listen in at the doors quite as much in the novel. But Right. I mean I kind of understand what they're trying to do because you're taking out some of the conversations, you're showing people's characters. Like in that scene specifically, you have Kitty and Lydia giggling their asses off, and then Jane is trying not to laugh and she's kind of looking at him with pity because Jane is the purest person that ever lived. And then Mary is mm. actually you know, they actually do describe in the novels that Mary thinks he's fine and thinks he has good points. She likes to talk about philosophy and all that and likes to have these okay, sorts of so conversations. So Mary's just kind of looking at him like, I get it, bro. And it's <laughs> Yeah, which is probably why... So with, with the camera movements, because Elizabeth's running out the door, her mother's chasing them, mm-hmm. chasing her. They, they do a, like a sort of... They they do a sort of pan over on the kids and like it it lingers on Mary, mm-hmm. and to me it should have lingered on uh, Charlotte because she was the one that was going to end up taking his offer. But Charlotte's not marriage. his sister; she wasn't there. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah, it was just sort of it, it, to me it, it, like the lingering it, because they lingered on her. It made it to me. I was like, oh, she's. And I guess you kind of made the point, and maybe they they were trying to do that where she she's sympathetic towards him and is actually interested in him, but it it to me the lingering threw me off. Well, yeah, it because she does describe that in the novels that she was sympathetic, and I think she thinks they might have been okay together. Mary wouldn't have been mad about it, but that's one of those sad ironies of Mary is in her head. She could have conversations with him because obviously he is educated, he is a reader, he thinks about certain moralistic questions and things like that, but 
because of who he is, he also kind of talks down to women. And I don't think she realizes that. Because he wants to lecture them on sermons when he's there. And then he does that, (laughs) of course, common guy thing. When Elizabeth turns him down, he thinks that she's just being modest and isn't actually listening to her. And in the novel, in that scene, Elizabeth is actually to the point of thinking, if he's not going to hear me when I say no, I'm going to have to get my father involved because he'll listen to him. And it's really sad. Yeah, I mean, because in the book he was like, I I suspect I might have to ask you two or three more times Mm -hmm. before you'll say yes. And she's like, no, Collins, I fucking will not. I will never (laughs) say yes. And you should listen to my answer. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, the... Because of some stuff the book leaves out, you do understand the situation, but the book goes more into detail, especially as it regards to how her father has to think about budgeting, because a lot of these families inherited fortunes and are living them out or finding some way to contribute to them. And so he's sat there and had to calculate how much their expenses can be a year and how much the daughters get after they both die, because they're all due to inherit something. And like it mm-hmm. makes it, I think, way more realistic for the audience at the time as well because they're in similar situations. Whereas to us, right. it's a bit we're that's a bit lost on us. Yeah, it's sort of I completely like. You know, I forgot that it wasn't until like what I guess maybe like the late eighteen hundreds that women could actually you know inherit money. I I I, I completely forgot about that until reading this book and just sort of made me ponder a lot on like if if they don't if like basically like he dies and then the money goes to it was going to go to mr collins um, no they they inherit money they can't inherit property so like they were each due to get five thousand pounds and like the dad was calculating that out of what he'd have to pay for example mr wickham he would have to, gotcha. his upper limit per daughter was 5000 And so that's why he was worried about how much money Wickham would demand. But, and you know, George, Georgiana is set to inherit her £30,000. But they can't right. inherit the actual home. Which is still fucked okay, up. Okay, okay. No, no, it's very fucked up. It's like, it's stupid that property was only allowed toward, for men. Uh, yeah. But it's a whole controlling bullshit. So before I do compliment the movie, there's some other issues I would like to go over. And again, they're not huge, but because you don't get as much of the background on these sorts of conversations, you miss out on some of why the characters are being satirized. So for example, they've cut down the Bingley sisters from two to one, which is fine. And you're left with Caroline. And... Mm -hmm. There's a lot of conversations we don't see in the movie where she's giving Darcy shit because he has admitted from pretty early on that he likes Elizabeth. It's not quite so serious as proposal yet, but he compliments her eyes and all that. And she gives him a lot of shit because they have a relation who is a lawyer. And at the time, that was also looked down on because, well, working in general at certain levels was not for the very rich. And she was saying that if they did get married, they'd have to put up his portrait next to a portrait of one of his relatives who's a judge. Because there was a world of Mm -hmm. difference between lawyer and judge. So she's saying, yeah, you should put their portraits next to each other. They work in the same field, though, in entirely different leagues. And 
it's okay you miss out on that stuff, but the way the movie comes off, it seems mostly like you don't like certain people because they're mean, when the actual reason is because they're rich and thinking they're above others. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's also noticed within... Uh, well, well, obviously with uh, Lady Catherine and uh, assuming she's way better than everyone else. And Darcy even sort of mentions it when he's professing his love to her, but also in a way kind of ridiculing uh, Elizabeth's family because they're lower than his. So, and unfortunately, I think uh, a lot of that thinking still is around these days. So. Well, and it's a little bit to be understood in a way because you don't, obviously he still wants to marry her despite the wealth difference, but you would have a lot of people talking that she's a gold digger, all of this stuff. There would be a lot of that sort of gossip at the time. So it's one of those things where like, I think they still had to address the existence of such talk, even if they didn't necessarily believe it to be true. Yeah, just, you know, Darcy should have had better tact, you know. With, yeah, uh, no, he approached that terribly. It was just it was the worst fucking time to bring it up. Maybe you talk about <laughs> uh, some other point, but just like, yeah, well, I, lo- I love you even, uh, but, you know, my family is higher up than yours, and I, <laughs> and I had to f- fight through all this stuff in order to, to basically get my mind to the point where I realized that I love you, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> uh, nah, man, cut, cut, cut that out a little bit, yo. Um, yeah, I mean, another, th- another, th- because of, because it's hard to show a lot of stuff, they, they also didn't go into as depth the, the letter from Darcy to, yeah to her, and, and they completely skip out on, like, in the letter where he, where he talks about how much he loves her and stuff, they, they only stuck to, um, oh my god, I just blanked on his name, Mr. Wickham, Wickham, Wickham? Yeah, Wickham and the whole Bingley yes. and her sister ordeal. Yes, yes, uh, and so it's uh, it's it's a real shame because I actually think that's one of the better parts of the letter is his him actually really being able to profess himself to her because he is a terrible conversationalist because he's riddled with anxiety and uh, introversion. So well, that's the thing. Darcy is just this introvert that gets completely ragged on for it but that's i think the ultimate strength of this novel is it's showing how much miscommunication and gossip can affect relationships because people sometimes had kind of brief acquaintances with each other and did formulate a lot off of that although the book has way more instances of them talking and so it makes more sense that he loves her in the book because they don't just meet a couple of times like in the movie. The whole time Elizabeth is visiting Caroline and Collins, they're seeing each other numerous times. It's not just mm-hmm. this chance encounter at his aunt's place. And to go off of what you were saying about how uh, people were ridiculing him, it's almost it's almost like, like Jane Austen was trying to say that these people were filled with a little bit of prejudice and, and, and a little bit of and a little bit of pride, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. What 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 other instances of uh, of things that were left out of the book? Well, okay. My other gripe. Mm-hmm. You had a lot 
of young men and women hanging out alone together in this movie that doesn't fucking make sense. Because it would have been really weird at the time. Like, especially... Darcy shows up and she's alone. That does happen. There's always servants there. You don't see any servants at the Collinses, which is okay. You can assume they're there. But then he just shows up at night with a letter for her, walks into her bedroom. That's, I'm sorry, that's weird as hell. In the novel, you know, she goes out for her walk. She's still freaking out that he proposed to her. He just kind of accosts her on her walk in the park, which is so, like, jarring but it makes more sense for the time you're out in public and then when she's visiting mm-hmm. her sick sister at netherfield gangly just walks into the bedroom where her sister's in bed like some of that's yeah. just highly weird to me that one threw me off a lot also i didn't like the fact that he opened the door and then knocked it pissed me off i hate when people do that you fucking knock on the door before you open up before you open up the door you don't open up a door and then knock. Bingley was trying to see someone dressing there. I, I know, Bingley. I know what you were up to. You <laughs> that scab, dog. You cad. <laughs> I'm just making up one. Uh, um, of, of one thing that, that's, that's, that, was, that came off weird to me, and it, and it, works, it works way better in the book, is, 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 is talking while dancing. Because they're talking and they're talking really loud and the music isn't really that that loud and so when 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 they're trying to converse it's it's sort of like if, if i was one of the other people dancing around that i'd just be like shut the fuck up i'm trying to pay attention to the beat of the music and because it's it's so loud like it, it, it comes off it comes off really weird i mean to be fair i thought the the way they did the the conversation with with Mr. Mr. Collins trying to do the conversation was great, but it's sort of when when Darcy and Elizabeth were talking so loud, I was like, "Is is no one else paying attention to this right now?" Because really, they're 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 talking over the the violins and plus, like as she's walking away, she's wearing a mic, so obviously we hear hear her at the same volume. But as she's walking away from him, and they're both doing their turn around another dancer. It would be very hard to hear each other, but they're speaking at the same volume and somehow magically hearing what the other person's saying perfectly. Right, exactly. And also, both her and Darcy and her and Collins stopped dancing to have a heated kind of discussion, and that would have been really odd to everyone there, that they're just interrupting the flow of the dancing to talk. (laughs) Especially because, like, the the type of dancing back then, it was... was the group as a whole has to work together. You're you're, yeah. you're all interchanging, and it's it's not like dancing these days, you know, with with the kids doing their twerking and their and all the, the crazy the craziness. Um, <laughs> but oh, you know what? One more thing about Mary. I had written this down. She's so not looking forward to the ball like her sisters are. I believe this is before the Netherfield ball, and she says in the book, "I can at least have the morning to myself," which is. Such an iconic introvert statement. <laughs> uh, I feel like Jane Austen probably was Mary. <laughs> well, what um. happened is Jane Austen nearly died of, I want to say typhoid. I might be wrong. There's an illness that almost killed her, and then she kind of stopped hanging out in society as much after that and kept to herself. And I'm not sure if that happened before or after Pride and Prejudice, but she was a bit of a homebody. Poor Jane. Yeah, honestly, those are the main changes I take issue with. I think the movie does a lot of things well. Like we talked about, there's that lingering look for Mary. It does a lot of things that are 
subtle mentions to something the book points out where people convey a lot in a look without the necessary dialogue or other mentions. So, for example, you know, in the book, Darcy writes to Elizabeth that it was actually one of her relatives, the one who's obsessed with watching them dance. I forget his name, but <laughs> he's actually a really funny character, like, just because he loves to see everyone else dancing and keeps trying to get Darcy and Elizabeth to dance. And then when, like, mm -hmm. they do get engaged, he tells Darcy he's whisking away one of the crowns, one of the jewels of the town or whatever. Um, so he's fun, but he's having a conversation at the ball, and Darcy overhears him saying that, oh yeah, a marriage is definitely imminent between Jane and Mr. Bingley, and that kind of makes him nervous because he's like, I didn't think we were at the marriage talk yet. But in the movie, they find a way to shorten that down beautifully, where when they're doing this whole Netherfield scene, and that one's gorgeous to me for many reasons, like you start off with Jane and Elizabeth talking, and then Elizabeth blows on the feather, and then that changes to the wind and the fire outside of the ball, which is a really cool kind of transformative mm -hmm. shot. And in the book, Elizabeth finds out Wickham isn't there before they get there, but instead in the movie, you have this kind of beautiful, before it was cool, tracking shot of her walking from room to room looking for him, and you're also just getting to see the general layout. And, like, that continues throughout yeah. everything because you're tracking, like, Darcy walking behind her for a second and you know he's looking for her even though she's not looking for him. You get the information of, like... So the scene I'm talking about specifically is instead of some other relative that we don't get to meet, it's her mom sitting there being ridiculous talking about, oh, we expect an advantageous wedding anytime. And he just walks past her and looks at her for a second and that's all you need to know that Darcy heard her say that. And that was really cool, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, 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 the planning of the shots were, were, were great. Uh, same thing with um, another, another shot that I thought was planned really well was when uh, back to when Elizabeth is visiting uh, um, her sister and, and she's being walked around with... Uh, uh, Miss Bingley, they're just sort of walking around, and yeah. they they plan out the walk really well. And they, they like it. It may be a couple different shots that they use very likely, but the timing of it is is really nice. And they it, it's another sort of shot with a bit of symmetry where it ends with Mr. Darcy or or not? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Darcy in the middle, and then they they sort of they break they break linking arms. Mm -hmm. right when they're behind them and then go off it, it, it's a nice way to symbolize that they're both very much interested in in him and and, and in a way they're they're they're, they're fighting over him with miss bing or with miss bingley being probably the the bigger part uh proprietor of 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 the of fighting <laughs> um because she's a she's a bit of an obnoxious character in my opinion Oh yeah, for um, sure. So, yeah, uh, the they planned a lot of things out really well. It was really well thought out, especially e even the very beginning where it's a very long shot. Is that what you were already? That might be what you were mentioning early on, where it was a long shot at the very beginning, sort of introducing the family and also the layout of the house. 
You know, oh. but I love all of those, like, especially showing them all having their separate conversations at night before bed. And then my favorite mm-hmm. recurring theme is the servant that is singing as she does chores. Like, you see it a couple of times. So there's, like, this nice integration of the soundtrack other than just being background music because this, the servant girl's humming one of the songs from the movie. And then when Elizabeth plays Lady Catherine's piano forte she's playing one of the songs from the soundtrack and so is georgiana she's playing the original mm-hmm. dawn sound from the beginning of the movie so like they have like a really nice cohesion there yeah that's smart because a lot of times uh which i mean pride and prejudice i guess had been done a few times before and i guess there was the stage play version and maybe that's the music that actually is in the the play but it's planning that type of stuff out is great because a lot of movies do not plan out music the music usually comes afterwards and i like movies like this that have that element of planning ahead of time so yeah or there's people who who edit films uh with music uh Two of the biggest ones that I can think of are Tarantino and George Miller, um, where basically everything, which I guess is really their editors, but they have it edited around music. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, okay. Um, mm-hmm. The parents. Might as well talk yes. about them. I found myself mm-hmm. being a bit more sympathetic to their mother upon the reading because she is a ridiculous person we know this but at the (laughs) same time she's living at a time where women are a bit less educated and honestly considering i mean lady catherine's a shit and obviously you can turn out fine without a governess but considering obviously there wasn't much stock on the education of young women it stands to reason that she would remain a bit ridiculous and she has five daughters which they talk about in the book of her thinking each time, well, I'm going to have a son eventually, but it kept not working out. Um, Mm -hmm. She has five daughters who will be left without a home if they don't get married. And so they do give her that bit of courtesy in the movie where she kind of snaps back to Elizabeth and says, when you have five daughters, let's see what occupies your mind. Because it is a pretty dire situation they're in. So I found her a little more sympathetic in that regard, even though she sometimes says stupid things. And her father, like, obviously we like him because he likes Elizabeth and they're both witty people. And I like the little back and forth of them looking at each other when Collins was visiting. And they're both kind of subtly giving him shit. But at the same time, her dad is kind of an ass because he doesn't want to actually raise his daughters. So it's like a miracle Elizabeth and Jane turned out to be such lovely, sensible people. But then he just kind of says, ah, well, Kitty and Lydia are just meant to be ridiculous. And he's totally fine with sending Lydia off to the town where the soldiers are in Brighton and letting herself basically be humiliated if they don't pay attention to her. That just baffles me that a father would, would, would allow that, especially for back then. Because <laughs> Lydia is like, what, 15? Yeah. Uh yeah, it just it it kind of to me felt out of character. I mean, I guess 
Oh, actually, just shy of it. They say she's not quite 15. So it's like, you're letting a 14-year-old girl who's obsessed with soldiers go to a town full of them. I mean, it it, it was, I guess, sort of Jane Austen's way of, you know, I mean, it's, 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 I guess, the only way she could potentially think of getting Lydia to interact with uh, Wickham. But it, it did, to me, feel sort of, uh, obviously plot driven which i mean it's uh, for, for, which is fine um but it, it it was probably like the one instance where i was just like this just feels kind of out of place but well i don't know because you mean, did have people visit relatives a lot so obviously jane goes to london which is also really sad she's basically pursuing the guy that wrote her off and she's going to stay with relatives hoping he comes to see her and you know Mm-hmm. Elizabeth had this whole trip planned with the Foresters, and it gets cut down. But like, you did have people going off with family. Um, yeah. But in that instance, he should have listened to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I remember in the book wasn't it a uh, when when Elizabeth visits the Collins, and they they like what was it? Mister Collins wanted her to stay there for like three months. Yeah. Which I wouldn't want to visit family for three months. That sounds horrible. Well, it does, but you have to also remember, maybe... they didn't have that much to do at the time. Like, anytime it talks about what she's up to, she's reading or walking or writing letters. That's mostly what people yeah. did to occupy themselves. That's true. That is true. It's It's so, like, I was thinking about it. I was like, I want someone to make a modern version of Pride and Prejudice and literally half of it would be cut down from just people texting one another <laughs> <laughs> you just you just text or, or you give a call <laughs> instead of mr darcy writing writing a letter he just leaves uh elizabeth a, a voicemail <laughs> <laughs> always good reading re, re- reading period pieces because you kind of forget that life used to be very different than how it is. True. So. And I have to say, okay, so the secondary characters to me are the best ones in this novel because you've got, again, Mr. Collins. He's mm-hmm. about the funniest character you can have. And they leave this out of the movie, which is understandable, but it's actually my favorite part of the novel is when he writes to Mr. Bennett after... Lydia and Wickham are married and they visit and he says mm-hmm. I can't believe you've let her into your house again and he proceeds to give him shit and says oh well she's probably ruined your other daughter's chances at getting married Lady Catherine de Bourgh had a lot to say on the subject and you're just like of course that weasley little shit went and immediately pulled Lady Catherine the first gossip and Lady Catherine's also yeah. a fabulous secondary character, and like they describe her as much more of a micromanager in the novel because she feels the need to comment on everything, and like she visits them a lot and tells them what improvements they should do to the house. She's pretty much micromanaging this whole town because she can, mm-hmm. and she sounds like an absolute fucking pain. But <laughs> Judy Dench acts the shit out of her as well. Was the perfect choice. 
there's like that shot where oh, yeah. she asks Elizabeth to play the piano, and she already doesn't like her because apparently Elizabeth's the first person to never give her a straight answer, and probably did on purpose to mess with her. But she asks her to play the piano, and Elizabeth's like, I'm really not that good at it. And she's like, well, you have to. And Mr. Collins is like, her ladyship demands it. And it cuts back to Lady Catherine de Bourgh's face, and it's just like the scolding look of, you better not refuse me. <laughs> also good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and going back to, to Collins, I, 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 there was like a couple of things that, I, that I'm pretty sure they added in the movie. One was when he, he, he like goes up to talk to Mr. Darcy at the ball and he's just basically like Mr. Darcy and Mr. Darcy's not even noticing that he's there because I mean, because one, it, it could be seen that Mr. Darcy thinks that he's better than him or maybe he just doesn't hear him in general, but it's basically almost like Mr. Collins is like pounding on his back to be noticed by, by Mr. Darcy and um and then later on when he's giving the sermon at yeah the church uh i forget the actual line but it was like um we we all gain pleasure through intercourse <laughs> yeah and then he's like oh no i mean uh <laughs> sorry i mean intercourse through of f- friendship and <laughs> and discipleship or or whatnot and i thought that was a nice little addition giving his because they took out that other stuff with 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 him, they just are able to add a bit of humor, in with his character, in in those two scenes. Sure, and you do have him go up to Darcy and just randomly introduce himself, which I know it's like a weird custom that you have to have an introduction to new people, but they don't have him like as comedically, you know, up on his heel ideals. Like, I'm sorry, up on his tiptoes. What the fuck am I saying these days? It's not as much of that. And then Darcy, like, swiveling around with his hand on his hip and almost hitting him was really fun. But, yeah, he. I think in the book they just say that, like, they get to talking and Darcy's just staring at him with these wide eyes of, who are you and why are you talking to me right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like this movie. I understand why they did what they did. I'm not mad at it. I think, I mean, some of the gripes people have is they think Bingley comes off as a moron. And, I mean, I think... There's not that one instant where he's like laughing kind of stupid, but he doesn't seem, he also seems kind of just mortified by certain situations and not knowing how to handle them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> uh, I hate interacting with people that I don't know um, or haven't been introduced. So I I I'm I'm extremely sympathetic towards Darcy, yeah. But so because you 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 and you and Emily made us made us watch the the last scene. But so is the, is that just like an extra scene that's was originally there and they took it out? I I was confused by. I've always seen it in all the versions of the movie I've seen. It might be one of those things where um abroad it might be cut differently you get that with movies sometimes Mm -hmm. um oh yeah but yeah i've always seen it in u.s audiences i know some people have issue with that last scene and i'm honestly fine with it because it is suggesting they're already married and they're just hanging out at home so it doesn't seem that improper well i actually don't like the last scene (laughs) so (laughs) 
I actually like I like the cut with with the father being like he's like crying like a joyful crying and just sort of to me that was a more emotional ending like you you see the joy of the father seeing his daughters finding joy uh and the love of of being married to someone that they they that they love so it's the last scene the last scene just feels like something like so 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 the ec- the 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 scene that you usually see the la- that, that last scene where they're talking and whatnot uh it it feels like something should come after that so like whereas if you cut with the father it feels like that brings it all to an end and Ooh. especially so because in the movie i think it, is it? I can't remember. Is it, is it the mother or the or or is it Mister or, Mi, or Miss Bennett that that starts off the movie talking? And so it's kind of like no, if I, I want to say it's him. And well, Elizabeth walks up to the house and she starts off with their conversation of, "Oh, someone's finally renting Netherfield, and do you want me to mm. tell you who it is?" And then he like responds like, "I'm sure you're gonna tell me, so go ahead." Um. Yes. So it's. That's that's what it is, and so, sort of have it. It starts off with a conversation with them too, and it ends with a conversation with them too. It's a nice circle. So. You see, the book doesn't I, end that way, and because right. it, it makes sense because of the time you're in, you don't get a lot of intimacy between characters because it would be improper to. I mean, yes, you get more conversations between Garcinos, but that fleshes them out as people and as a relationship where you don't see it as much in the movie um and so like after they do get married in the novel it talks a bit about their life after the fact Mm -hmm. and i understand what you're saying but at the same time it's not about their parents it's about like the whole journey well i would argue it's actually really about the family like as much as i like the book make especially like f- about the first half of the book it makes almost there's, there's a really almost like no true main character for for a good bit in the beginning yeah and then elizabeth becomes the the main focus so really the story is about the family and the family trying to survive and 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 whatnot so to me, that's the reason why I'm like I actually like the the ending with the with it, it starts with the family, it ends with the family, and I get in the book that it goes on and talks about that type of stuff. But books books are allowed epilogue stuff, movies not so much. Movie movie epilogues to me are extremely awkward. But Michael, um, and the only the only movie that's pulled off a good epilogue is Parasite. So. Yeah. That's just that's maybe. It's hard to argue with you now because you have to chop my head. But Michael, you could say this is her <laughs> new family now, though. So it's about a new family's journey. I yeah, but there's the, 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 we're not going into the family all that much. I mean, in the book it does, but like we're the the, the films have to focus and and so which is why they. Straight off the bat, we're we're following Emily, or or Elizabeth. We're following Elizabeth right off the bat, um, 
you, you need that focus with, with a film. Uh, you need something for, for people to grasp onto and, and whatnot. And it's, you, 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 I mean, you're, you're making a, you're making a fine point. It's, it's, it's her new family, but it's, I don't know. I, I, there's something, there's something to me and, 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 and with, with film storytelling, especially I, I like, I like full circles and it ending full circle with her and her dad, uh, I think is a stronger ending than, Hey, what should I call you? Miss <laughs> Dyson? Shut up. Okay. Listen, <laughs> it's a bit fan service but I think, like I, if they had done a little more with the family, they probably should have, honestly. But because the movie took the route of you're not getting some of this background information, you're mostly getting the romance. They were like, we gotta end them with some dose of romance. And I, I think it's got a bit of the, the timeline of this. Like I said, you couldn't really show a lot of that without it being extremely offensive to society at large. But, like, I get the same sort of feel I do, like, from Bollywood movies. Because they tend to be more reserved between the love story. And then at the end, they're suggesting they bang. They suggest there's a kiss, but they don't show it throughout the movie because they don't want to come off as really licentious. So, like, I think mm -hmm. that's what they're trying to do is be like, we're showing you there's some chemistry here because we know you want it. And, like, you already get a ton of it. These two actors do a fantastic job with just the dance scene, how they communicate, how they look at each other. I think you already get enough, but they're probably like, we got to show it. We got to show it more directly. <laughs> yeah, but I don't need that. I know, I, don't know. I, know. I, don't, I don't need it. It's just sort of, <laughs> especially like, especially in the scene when, when, when he's professing his love to her in the rain and like, they're angry at each other and they actually like, they're gravitating toward, towards each other. Like they, like they want to kiss, but, but they're fucking pissed off and which it, again in what sort of fucking realistic set in this timeline scene would you have her run out of church in the middle of a sermon wet and alone with another young man i don't like it's a pretty scene yeah, they but picked it's a, a pretty movie, fucking gazebo it's a, a metal it's gazebo, a movie stone scene, whatever it's that's a, called <laughs> it's a romantic movie and when your two characters are angry at each other we know that the most beautiful moment that you can have is having the two characters be in rain much like a notebook most like every other rom-com out there it's just it's always a rain scene where, where they're fighting and it makes it passionate and usually in those scenes they end up kissing but in pride and prejudice they held back yeah and even though we've done a decent job of trying to make it look period appropriate and they're not wearing a lot of makeup. We're gonna put some darker eyeshadow around Karen Knightley because we know she's got those smoldering eyes, and we want to show it in this scene Ooh. where they almost kiss each other. We want to just show off how hot she is, and of course Darcy can't resist her. Ah. Uh, yeah. I do love that scene. I'm not trying to show it too much. Whatever. Like I'm. I'm. Oh. No. I'm into no. it. <laughs> I mean, I was. I was feeling it. I was going. I was. I was tearing up a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I'm, fucking make I'm, out I'm, already. I'm, I'm a man. I'm, I'm not. I'm not afraid to admit that I that I was crying. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, all in all, I I really I really enjoyed this. Um, I mean, my my only complaints I, I I mentioned to you before, and I'll I'll say it for the podcast is Jane Austen's writing is uh almost too re re realism for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
and and it's 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 hard to just go through that especially quickly like i think i would have been able to digest it better if i if i was if we took a longer time on it just because of the realism it's just it's hard for it's it's hard for me to uh to 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 read realism and not saying like there's not that, that it's not that's that that's bad and that things don't ha that things shouldn't be real realistic it's just uh um it can be a lot so and i mean i find myself now that i'm older gravitating more towards writing that has a different sort of element to it too like the bronte sisters i told you about this they add horror to the writing and but i understand at the same time they came about a couple of decades after jane austen and mm -hmm. she was still a bit constrained by making writing that wasn't totally against the grain at the time so i definitely understand it i still appreciate it for what it is i appreciate the wit and that's another thing if you haven't read it and you've just seen the movie you're missing out a lot of the humor, like we said. I mean, there are some lines in there. Like, there's a really funny one when Elizabeth is trying to explain to Mrs. Gardner, I want to say, that about Jane and Bingley. And, you know, people have been telling Elizabeth, like Charlotte, that they're not sure Jane is showing enough affection back. And the aunt's questioning her on how strong was the attachment. And Elizabeth said, well, you just ignore other people when Jane was around. And the aunt's like, oh, that, that is quite serious indeed, but is that enough? And Elizabeth says, is general incivility not the true essence of love? And that amazing line right there. Like, she just knocks it out of the park with so many things she writes. And also, you learn some vocabulary reading her. Like, she, there are some times where she uses a word, and you're like, I really don't know what word you just said, and I'm going to look it up and thank you. Yeah, and since you brought it up, she really does like using the word uh, civility a lot, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I was like, I kind of want to go back through it and just count how many times she uses it, but it works for her writing. And different writing, um, but now that I'm listening to Wuthering Heights, uh, the favorite word here is every time someone exclaims something, instead of so-and-so exclaimed, it's he ejaculated, and I just love it so oh much. Oh my god. Oh <laughs> my I didn't god. know it was That's used awesome. in that context, and I'm, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, time to, I need to now write a book that uses that. <laughs> oh yes, definitely. So what are we doing next week? <laughs> we are doing Lolita. Oh, fuck yeah. All right. Cool. Gotcha. Because again, since these are stories where the romance is not the sole focus, though they have been marketed as such, and Pride and Prejudice has the wit to it that isn't marketed as often, Lolita has been focused on as a romance novel, but really, Nabokov is not condoning pedophilia, and if you take a look at it, you'll come to see this, I think. But yeah, that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to be reading next week. That's what we'll be watching. Uh, are there multiple versions of Lolita? Maybe, but I think the Which... main... There's the main movie that's the Jeremy Irons one. Who... Okay. What a great man. What a voice. Oh. I guess we're reading... We're watching the 1970... 1997 Lolita. 
I was about to say, 1970s would be early for that movie, but you know what? I'm down. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. 1997. Uh, Jeremy Irons, Dominique Swain, Melanie Griffith. Should be fun. Yeah. Cool. See y'all later. Oh, Frank Langella is in this? Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, we'll see y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Yeah. Bye. This union has been planned since their infancy. Do you think it can be prevented by a young woman of inferior birth, whose own sister's elopement resulted in a scandalously patched-up marriage, only achieved at the expense of your uncle? Heaven and earth. Are the shades of Pemberley to be thus polluted? Now tell me once and for all, are you engaged to him? I am not. And will you promise never to enter into such an engagement? I will not, and I certainly never shall. You have insulted me in every possible way and can now have nothing further to say. I must ask you to leave immediately. Good night.